0: In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by West Holm. We all know from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat. Westholm, which is based in Queensland in the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million acres of rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia, and a flavor suited to complement any cuisine. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more
2: at westholme.com slash That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash saver.
3: If your business needs a new
4: application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash code IBM. Let's create.
5: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
1: Hello and welcome to Saber, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese, And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about baked beans. And I promise
2: it is a good one. It is a fun one. It is It has one of my very favorite facts that I have discovered and not expected in it uh, in a long time. So Uh,
1: Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, Now I'm curious to know which which one that is.
2: I shall point it out when we arrive. I think it'll be pretty clear. Um, (laughs) It's a pretty solid fact. But we chose this because as we're recording it and as it first comes out, it is uh, Independence Day approaching. Here in the United States. Independence Day weekend. Yeah. Yes.
1: And baked baked beans are, in fact, a very popular Independence Day side dish here. They are. They are. Uh, (laughs) More on that in a second. Happy Independence Day if
2: you're celebrating. Uh, I just uh, complained at length uh, to Lauren and our Attempa producer, Max Williams, about... The fact that I am running a, re- a race this weekend, and I am very concerned about it. But
1: <laughs> it's going to happen. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say you complained. I'd say that you um, expressed uh, concern. Yes.
2: A lot of concern. Yes. I feel a lot of concern right now. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> you. You both uplifted me, so I'm gonna.
1: Oh,
2: I'm gonna bye. try to
1: power through. <laughs> All we all we did was say that we don't run. And so, therefore, any amount of running that you do sounds impressive to us. But if, hey, if that uplifted you, I'm excited about it. Anything
2: that impresses Lauren Vogelbaum and Max Williams. <laughs> that's pretty good in my book.
1: Uh, perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I, I will say y'all, if you hear some little, some little bumps and noises in the background, it's not the ghost of Annie's former running prowess. Uh, <laughs> it is, it is rather, um, <laughs> my great, great cat has been a little bit sick the past couple days. I was away for a few days for the first time since shutdown. And, uh, he promptly worked himself into a, nervous uh urinary tract stone but he's on the mend he's back and making noise in the studio so if that's what, yeah yeah (laughs) super into it luckily he hasn't deleted any large portions of our outline yet just highlighted
2: some (laughs) but that's okay
1: (laughs) he did he did (laughs) we're
2: all here for you great we're supporting you
1: oh we're supporting you too annie support all around
2: That's what we're all about here. Um, Mm. (laughs) So baked beans were an occasional food on July 4th in our family. Like, I can count maybe once or twice. But, interestingly to me, I've gone to a few international U.S. Independence Day celebrations. So I went to one in China and I went to one in Belgium. And baked beans were at both of those. So Hmm. clearly, I mean, I guess the internet would also tell you that that it sure. is a traditional food to have on uh, the U.S. Independence Day. But that was just interesting to me of the foods they chose as someone who didn't
1: really eat them. Yeah, growing uh, up, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if that's like a Southern thing. I Growing up in Ohio, like that was a very like summer, especially Independence Day, coded food for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and among a lot of the I guess I guess like like northern based humans that I know today it's still like 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 to me it's it's definitely like a key side dish of Independence Day barbecues and I'm not sure why. Yeah. Because I feel like I feel like no one really eats that much, but someone always brings them. Right. Right. It's
2: just it's just like one of those things you have to have, but yet no one seems to really want but no one seems to really be able to say that they don't really want it,
1: you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean and I do want them. I quite like them, but mm-hmm. yeah, anyway. Yeah,
2: so on the flip side of of my experience when I was staying in this really small tiny hostel in London for a few weeks, there was this breakfast that was provided as part of the cost. And it typically consisted of this huge tower of buttered bread, like bigger than my head. Ridiculous amount of buttered toast, Ah. excuse me. yeah, (laughs) And grilled tomato slices and baked beans with tea or coffee. And at the time, this was new to me. This was news to me and new to me.
5: Ah. I didn't
2: know that the baked beans uh, were a part of this traditional breakfast. But I loved it. I actually really enjoyed it.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I love the bean component of a traditional um uh, English or Irish breakfast. I, I want more protein. I don't want all of it to come from eggs. I, yes, I'm so excited when I get that. And it goes so well with all of the other little stuff on the plate. Oh, it's so yeah. nice.
2: Yeah. I really enjoyed it too. I did go on a very big uh, bean bag chair and a beady <laughs> baby rabbit hole for this <laughs> and then decided that maybe I should appropriate my time more efficiently (laughs) (laughs) but uh just just know that i really wanted to talk about that in this episode fascinating stuff
1: oh okay i i i I believe you that is not any part of the rabbit holes that i went down today but i look forward to hearing about that is it appropriate for a food show at some point maybe different episode it's
2: You know, I feel like this is going to be one of those important savor questions where we're going to have to sit Ah. down and really, really get to the bottom of what savor is all about. And I think (laughs) a beanbag chair might be it.
1: (laughs) I love this. I love that like our our big existential crisis might come thanks to beanbag chairs and or beanie babies into that. It it feels right. It feels right. Yeah.
2: But. We can have our existential crisis later, but for now, I think this brings us to our question. I think it does. Baked beans. What are they?
1: Well, uh, baked beans are typically not baked, but are rather a type of stewed bean dish consisting of uh, dried white beans that are reconstituted and slow cooked in a sort of a savory sweet tangy gravy uh, served warm as a lunch or dinner side dish or part of breakfast platters or on toast or sandwiches. So let's talk about the beans. Uh, The type of beans used in this dish are usually white beans, also called navy beans, not navy like the color, like navy is in the naval branch of the military, also called haricot beans in British English. These are beans of a variety from the wide species Fasiolus uh, vulgaris, I think is how you might say it. I didn't take Latin. I don't know. They're, they're the seeds of the plant, which means they contain lots of great nutrition for little plant babies and for us. The beans grow in pods and usually dry on the vine before being harvested and processed. And that means that they are fairly non-perishable, but also that they have to be, uh, yes, reconstituted or rehydrated prior To use. The gravy. Um, It's usually a sauce made from a a tomato puree and/or cooked onion sort of base with some kind of sweetener and uh, rich and flavorful options like molasses or brown sugar or maple syrup are common. Um, A touch of vinegar, some salt and pepper, mustard, and some other herbs and spices uh, uh, like woody, kind of savory things like bay and rosemary, sage and thyme, stuff like that are pretty common. And then some kind of starch will usually be used either from the cooking beans themselves or from an outside source will be used to, to thicken the sauce up a little bit. Um, they can be made vegetarian but are often cooked with a small amount of pork product, uh, bacon or salt-cured pork, something like that, or hot dogs um, for flavor. And often uh, the vegetarian versions will have a little bit of a, a smoke flavor or something, something umami, maybe like a little mushroom broth or something added to replicate that. And the result is just this hearty comfort food that's really childhood nostalgic for a lot of the English-speaking world. And I, I will say, I I laughed out loud a lot during my reading for this one, um, yeah. but perhaps the hardest at this lead line, written by one Oliver Thring um, in The Guardian, quote— All your life, you've been lied to. Turns out they're not bloody baked beans. They're stewed beans. They do not do what they say on the tin.
2: (laughs) I can just imagine a dramatic scene in a movie where you, like, (laughs) drop to your knees. It's raining, (laughs) lightning across the sky, and you're like,
1: stewed. (laughs) They were never baked. (laughs) (laughs) It's David Tennant with the rain on him in that end scene in Doctor Who, and he's like not bloody baked!
2: <laughs> I want that
1: so badly. <laughs> I want it. Oh, oh <laughs> heck! All right, all right, y'all English, y'all, y'all, <laughs> or, or British in general, like, like, write, write in or, or send in your yes, videos, your creations.
2: Oh yeah. my gosh, that would be so good. Yes, please do that. <laughs>
1: Oh heck, um, uh, and you you can you can make make baked beans from scratch, um, but they are often bought uh, pre-prepared in cans or or tins, as I suppose you would refer to them um, in the non-American part of the English-speaking world. Um, and I will say some home some home recipes do call for baking sometimes, so it's not always stewed beans.
2: They're not always a bloody lie. <laughs> Um, (laughs) I love this so much. Uh, What about the nutrition?
1: Uh, uh, It, it of course, depends on exactly what you put into them. Um, Many canned foods do contain a bunch of added sugars and salts. So, you know, read your nutrition labels. But beans are pretty good for you. You know, they've got a good punch of protein and minerals and soluble fiber. And although, in general, uh, fresh or frozen produce is best – Canned beans are a pretty okay option um, because what you generally lose through canning is vitamin content, and that's not really where beans shine that much anyway. Plus, the canning process reduces the compounds in beans that that muck about with your your digestive system's capability to absorb minerals. So so that's good. Um, And also, uh, the canning process, the cooking process will um, increase available fiber molecules. So that's cool. Research has shown that baked beans are a pretty great option for getting like quick and easy nutrients into your diet, especially as a replacement for less healthy snacks and sides. Um, just, yeah, watch that salt and sugar content and, and hydrate, always hydrate. But uh, for best results, yeah, make your baked beans from scratch with a minimum of those sugars and salts to taste. Also, I have, I have a gas aside here.
2: Oh, I cannot wait.
1: Because beans are, as we all know, the musical fruit. Um, <laughs> we all uh, know it. <laughs> we ate, yep. Yep. It is known. Um, okay. So, so beans can indeed make you more gassy, um, especially if you don't eat them regularly, uh, because they contain types of fiber that your body cannot digest. However, microbes that live in your gut sure can digest them. And so what happens is those microbes eat those fibers and then... They excrete gases, which will build up in your guts until you pass them out. Meaning that, yes, the primary reason that you fart is that microbes inside you are farting, and then you fart out their farts.
2: <laughs> the true circle of life.
1: It is. It is. It's the circle of farts. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, hat tip, hat tip to Ben Bolin and the old days of the Brain Stuff YouTube series for the exact phrasing on that one. <laughs>
2: Getting to the bottom of these very important questions behind (laughs) the rhymes we all said as children. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. We do have some numbers for you.
1: Gosh, we do. Um, All right, so uh, baked bean sales in the U.S. um, as of 2012 were worth some $530 million per year.
2: Wow. As of 1993, Massachusetts has a state bean. The baked navy bean. <laughs> Apparently, I guess this is really uh, most people know this. I didn't know this, but Boston is sometimes called Bean Town.
1: Yeah, that's one of it's one of its nicknames. Yes, and the navy bean is
2: sometimes called the Boston bean or the Yankee bean, which is a Seinfeld reference. There's an episode where Elaine is feeding this guy Yankee beans. I won't go into why. Well, she calls them Yankee (laughs) beans, and she's, like, singing this song, and I was like, what the heck is a Yankee bean? (laughs) Now I know. There you go. go. (laughs) According to the company, Heinz Baked Beans has a 70% market share in the U.K., and every day about 2.3 million British people eat this product from about 1 million cans.
1: I've seen numbers up to 2 million cans a day in the U.K., Whoa. Yeah. Um, as of 1999, annual consumption of baked beans per capita in the UK was just over five kilos. That's nearly 12 pounds. Wow. <laughs> uh, and as of 2016, um, Heinz's Wigan—is that how you would say that? Wigan plant, plant in it's in it's in uh, Manchester um, ish. It is the largest baked bean factory in the world, and as of 2016 it was capable of producing over 3 million cans of beans every 24 hours during peak season with the total process from bean arrival to complete tin taking about 2 hours and they process some 50,000 tons of raw beans per year
2: that's a lot of beans <laughs> that's
1: a lot, a lot of beans, beans. Furthermore, in case you were wondering, very similar to the uh, Tiffany blue, the um, Heinz Bean Turquoise is in fact a trademarked color. I think I have that
2: mascara. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Heinz Bean <laughs> Turquoise.
1: <laughs> oh, um, meanwhile, uh, in the United States, uh, Bush's brand is the bean leader. In Tennessee, there is a Bush's Beans Visitor Center, Museum, and Cafe um, at one of the company's long-running sites, um, where, under normal circumstances, some 150,000 visitors a year come through. Um, it opened in 2010, and Bush's sells round about 20 varieties of baked beans. I want to visit this place. Right. I very much uh,
2: want to visit. Um,
1: you can watch videos in a giant can of beans. Well, it's a giant bean can. There's no beans in it. There's just you and and videos.
2: I see. My brain, my brain was like,
1: "What?" I could see it going there. You, I was trying. I was, trying, was trying to pull you back. Short circuiting. Yeah. Was- <laughs> um. But this brings us to
2: another place I would very much like to go, and this is the fact I mentioned at the top that I was not expecting to uncover researching this episode. Okay, cool. Yeah. 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 There's a baked beans museum of excellence in Wales. That's what it's called. That's what it's called. It is operated by a, quote, superhero who loves baked beans called Captain Beanie. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently uh, the guy behind this Barry Kirk got the idea for the whole thing after breaking the record for sitting naked in baked beans in 1986, 100 hours. Oof. I would have some thoughts after sitting 100 hours naked Gosh, in
1: some baked beans. Same, same. Mhm.
2: He legally changed his name to Captain Beanie in 1991.
1: Uh yeah, yeah. Uh Captain Beanie also holds the records for for the longest anyone has held a plate of beans on toast in one hand while walking on a treadmill. <laughs> this this is referred to as the Beans on Toast-a-thon, um, and his record is 12 hours. Was it just him? Was it anyone else competing? I have. I, you know, I don't want to conjecture. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. he, a, a, and also he holds the record for the fastest anyone has run a marathon while holding a plate of baked beans on toast. His time was five hours, 46 minutes, and 25 seconds. Hey. Um, and this was in 2008 at the Flora London Marathon, and he did not, in fact, spill the beans. Not Captain Beanie. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never.
2: <laughs> um... He's got some baked beans tattooed on his head. Really, look look this up. Their images—they're gonna brighten your day, I promise. Um, <laughs> he sounds like a really interesting fellow. He's done a lot of charity work. He does. He has done a lot of races. He's climbed a lot of mountains. Captain Beanies, gotten around.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> and you know, so have baked beans within the world record category. There, there are a lot of baked beans related. World records. Um, there is a Guinness for the uh, largest pot of baked beans, which was set in 2012 in Macedonia with 5,600 liters of baked beans. That's about 1,500 gallons. It's a lot of baked beans. It is. Mm-hmm. The most popular record to attempt seems to be the, the the records for eating the most baked beans with a toothpick, sometimes called a cocktail stick, within a certain period of time: uh, one minute, three minutes, and five minutes. An American by the name of David Rush toppled the previous records in one go in 2018, eating 68 in one minute, 178 in three minutes, and then 278 in five minutes. Whew. I would stab yeah.
2: myself. I would stab the heck out of my mouth if I tried to do this. Oh,
1: gosh, right? Mm hmm. Oh, danger. <laughs> um, there <laughs> Big is <beans> also danger. <laughs> fake beaned danger. There's also a record for a team of four. In two minutes, and they got 429 beans, and that was set in the United Kingdom. There's also a Guinness record for the most baked beans eaten with chopsticks in one minute. That record is held by one uh, Tanaka Chisato, who in Tokyo in 2019 apparently popped 71 beans into her mouth during the first 53 seconds, leaving herself seven seconds to chew and swallow, and then with just three seconds left, popped one last bean. Beating the previous record, wow! And that flair for the dramatic, I think, is what really, what really makes a good bean eater. Yet again, Hollywood letting
2: us down. Why have we not seen <laughs> this movie where it's like at the wire oh, and then yeah, pops one more bean in yeah. her mouth. It's a real shame.
1: It is. It, it is. is Hollywood. You fail us again. Once. Again,
2: (laughs) But the history of baked beans did not fail us in terms of how interesting it is.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Um, And we will get into that history after we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsor.
4: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global.
5: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same. And I do love sharing that food with people.
2: And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, mm-hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends.
1: Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us a, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I like opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. <laughs> Westholm offers these beautifully marbled stakes because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature
2: leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholme.com/saver. That's W E S T H O L M E.com/saver.
3: What are you looking for in a new smart TV? 4K picture quality, high-quality and immersive sound, a sleek design? All of those are givens, but only the new Roku Pro Series has all of those and the Roku streaming experience, an award-winning OS. Get fast, easy access to all your apps like iHeart, where you can stream all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all day. And regular, all-inclusive trips to Roku City. The new Roku Pro Series, a smart TV built by the streaming pros.
2: And we're back, thank you, sponsor.
1: Yes, thank you.
2: Navy beans and the relatives of navy beans originated in the Americas. I think that could be a whole
1: separate thing. Oh, yeah.
2: Yes, I found a very intense scientific article about, about all the different, like, Genetic branching off periods of these beans. And I was like, okay, not today, not today. <laughs> um, but uh, these beans were staples for Native Americans, and alongside maize and squash were one of the three sisters that were agriculturally foundational. I know we've talked about that before.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, some tribes might have used earthenware pots covered with hot stones to cook beans with bare fat, maple syrup, and venison. And when colonists arrived, they might have observed the Native Americans doing this and started making them on their own. But, uh, or perhaps they did. Like, okay, uh, the Native American version of this story is the one that is commonly told, but the details are quite sparse if they exist Mm -hmm. at all. (laughs) No specific tribe is ever mentioned, and tribes in that region didn't really bake, nor is it likely they would have used maple syrup in a bean dish. Mm -hmm. If they had any at all. There are documents from that time showing that they were willing to bargain quite a bit to get some maple syrup. So that does not suggest that they would yeah. use it in this dish. But that is something you have to, like, really dig deep in the baked bean <laughs> to find <laughs> because it is so commonly told. Yeah. Um, and we're going to get into more on why that is in a in a minute. Some food historians believed that these New England baked beans, the precursor of Boston baked beans, most likely were an amalgamation of Native American recipes and methods and a bean and bacon dish out of England common during the Middle Ages. Again, I was kind of like puzzling over that one in terms of, Mm -hmm. I guess, the beans used, but okay. Others think that North African and Spanish Jews had long been eating baked beans on the Sabbath, and sea captains arriving at uh, New England ports introduced this idea or tradition to them after witnessing it in Africa and/or the Mediterranean. Or maybe it can be traced back to the French bean dish cassoulet, and that French Canadians were in fact highly influential in this dish
1: yeah, uh so right. um there were beans being used in cuisines in England, in France, and around the Mediterranean um, before the era of colonization, which started circa the fifteen hundreds and and those 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 were other species of beans, uh, lentils, favas, stuff like that. And different beans and their uses hopped back and forth across the Atlantic a few times over the centuries.
2: Right. And um, these beans were useful for colonists who were observing Sabbath on Sunday and were forbidden from cooking on that day. Uh, The beans could be cooked Saturday night for dinner and then kept warm overnight and eaten for breakfast or as part of a cold sandwich for lunch. Up in New England, this led to stewed beans cooked with salt pork or other meats, various spices and molasses. Which was probably introduced in the 18th century, the product of the forced labor of enslaved peoples in the Caribbean and shipped to Boston for rum making, which I believe we talked about in our rum episode.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, And and right, uh, molasses is considered a byproduct of the sugar refining industry. Um, It's thus a lot cheaper than granulated refined sugar and thus worked its way into a lot of home recipes around that time as a cheaper alternative to the Steadily less expensive, but still pricey sugar. Right. And these stewed beans were often served with brown
2: bread, cornbread, or biscuits. Um, confusingly, though, most of these recipes were still labeled as baked beans. And yes, it is a confusion <laughs> that lasts mm-hmm. to this day, as we learn from the mm-hmm. bloody the bloody lie we've all been fed. <laughs> um, <laughs> baked beans as a working class food, were they were filling, they were cheap. And they were packed with protein. So that was a great food option for people who were working or struggling in any type of uh, situation with money or what was available to them. But also, it was a food that people would bring to events, including Independence Day parties after the American Revolutionary War. Huh. Yeah. (laughs) Navy beans, the name... Uh, It was coined in the mid 1800s since these beans were a staple for the US Navy. And I got this out of an official US Navy document. So I Hmm. am trusting that that is the truth. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. These stewed slash baked beans with pork and molasses were the first to be canned in the US in the 1860s, right around the Civil War and soon after the invention of the can opener.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Always, always remember that canning existed for a good few decades before the can opener was invented mm-hmm. uh just just think about the hilarity and devastation i often do must have led to <laughs> i often remember <laughs> our video of trying to open the corn can beef <laughs> Oof. oh yeah even even after even after <laughs> um uh, yeah, and uh so so baked beans as a dish are quite good for canning um because uh beans don't have an unpleasant texture when they're heated and and canned. Um also the acid content from the tomatoes and or onions allows for a shorter cooking time during the process and, and thus a better preservation of flavor and nutrients. Um, also, the the salt and sugar already present in recipes are good preservatives um, because they prevent the growth of microbes by kind of occupying the water content of foods. so Yes. And, of course, as per usual in these episodes,
2: a handful of companies claim to be the first to sell (laughs) canned baked beans, including the Burnham and Morrill Company in 1876. And Henry Hines, yes, that one, may have started mass producing them in 1895. As early as 1886, Hines baked beans were being sold as a luxury item, at high-end stores in London, it was towards the end of the 19th century that the first written recipe for Boston Baked Beans appeared in Fanny Farmer's cookbook. By this point, the molasses was a key ingredient. It was a key differentiating ingredient. Ground mustard and salt pork were typical, too, but that molasses was, like, the thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. And speaking of the thing, this whole Boston baked beans thing might have been a part of a concerted effort to create New England foods that were an attempt to recapture foods that Europeans ate prior to the American Revolution. This whole movement also largely ignored the history behind the dish and all the other foods. And traditions of contemporary New Englanders and immigrant populations that were happening at the same time. Uh, these ideas around New England foods were carefully chosen, crafted, and presented in print publications, often alongside less than accurate tales about how traditional and American they were. Kind of similar to uh, like a thanks the Thanksgiving story, really painting this positive mm-hmm. light. Mm-hmm. But that was that was interesting, and we're going to talk about. There's a whole book about this. But it was interesting to read of all these other things that were happening that were not considered New England foods, but these chosen foods. Yes. Were. Yes, yes I learned a lot about New England food in this episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> and this whole this whole thing coincided with a drop in the price of sugar and a drive to uplift molasses in the face of that. Perhaps makes sense to me. In
1: 1908, A.J. Bush opened a cannery in Tennessee. Uh, They started selling pork and beans in 1934, um, and cans of that were distributed to American troops during World War II. According to the company's website, in 1969, they arrived at a new
2: secret family recipe that they put in all caps, which I thought was quite funny, uh, for simmering their beans.
1: Supposedly, this recipe comes from a um, a childhood favorite recipe of one of AJ's kids. Um, uh, His mother, Catherine, shared it with the family for the for the company on the condition that it would never be distributed
2: ooh never <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that is why that is why bushes and their spokes dog um mm-hmm. are so insistent that it's a secret <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: why right. okay got yeah. it yeah uh,
1: <laughs> as canned beans became more
2: available across the country they earned a spot as barbecue and potluck staples Okay, I, I never heard of this. I find oh, this. really? No, never. Huh. Um, okay. A- <laughs> asking for Boston baked beans in Chicago in the 1920s and 30s might mean something different. It was a popular candy that involved peanuts dyed red and coated in sugar so that they appeared bean-like. This is an interesting candy tradition that kind of cracks me up. We talked about it in the candy corn episode. Mm-hmm.
1: And mm-hmm. then
2: this one of like agricultural products. <laughs> made into candy are like the shapes. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah.
2: The largest producer of these candies, Chicago's Ferrara Candy Company, has been making them since 1924. The origin of this candy has been largely lost to history. I didn't dig in too deep, so maybe a future episode, but most okay. publications seem to be like...
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. Yeah, no, I I've definitely consumed these uh, I
2: never heard of this.
1: Maybe, maybe it's another like kind of northern thing. I, I bet that we can find some at one of the like w- at, at one of the candy shops around town that has like old timey. Oh,
2: oh, we should.
1: I, <laughs>
2: I don't know why I got so excited by going to an old timey candy shop, but I bet <laughs> we can really find some stuff we should talk about on this year's show. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. <laughs> Um, in the late 20s and early 30s, Heinz opened baked bean production plants in the UK and Australia after their, you know, they, they had been shipping their products out to both places for a while. Um, but, but then tariffs started making importation cost prohibitive. So they just opened up plants over over in both of those places. And then Australian production would ramp up during World War II um, when American troops were stationed out in Queensland.
2: Heinz dropped the pork from their canned baked beans in response to World War II rationing. Many pinpoint their successful Beans Means Heinz ad campaign.
1: <laughs> that's that's means with a Z. Yes.
2: And the beans, and, and the beans, with, beans a with a Z. <laughs> Double Z. Z's. Z's
1: all around. Oh, yeah.
2: Triple Z's. What am I saying? <laughs> uh, yeah, this ad campaign came out in the 1960s for solidifying this product's place as a British breakfast staple and i i read an article that quite quite tickled me about it was a tasting test <laughs> i think it was an analysis of several tasting tests uh in the uk where heinz consistently comes on the bottom but people still prefer mm. it because of nostalgia and name recognition
1: yeah. yeah it's really just the name recognition it's it's a very powerful thing and very impressive to me
2: yes um However, the iconic British breakfast of beans on toast possibly goes back to 1901. So it seems like maybe they are capitalizing on something that was already there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, and I found a really harsh 1985 New York Times article that just dissed Boston Baked Beans. (laughs) Really, uh, claiming okay. that New England New Englanders only ate them because they had the gall and bad taste too. Oh, they compared it to continuing oh. to wear a bad fashion choice, even though everyone's decided it's a bad fashion choice.
1: Almost. Wow.
2: Yes. Um, and they it also went on to say that these these baked beans were definitely a food that you should be embarrassed about. Not something you should want to reflect America. Something that was for poor people, that it was a relic. I will say, I'm unclear on whether the author felt this way. I think I think they did. But it, oh. the people they were interviewing was sort of the meat, the beans uh-huh. of this article. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was
1: reading it like, oh, aghast! Wow. Well, uh... I know. <laughs> in, in, I, 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 have, I have nothing to say about that. I can't really tell you one way or another. Um, I can tell you that in 2006, a group of researchers out of Venezuela um, took, took the toot out of beans, as Live Science reported. Um, they, uh, they, they fermented beans with the types of bacteria that eat those fibers that we can't digest. During the production process, thus greatly reducing the amount of those fibers that wind up in our gut for microbes to eat and pass gas there. So, yeah. Wow. Pre fermentation process. Love it. <laughs> Science. <laughs> let's let's Science. Make,
2: make it so you can eat these beans, and not too later. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Okay. The history of Boston baked beans is still something that interests folks, clearly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in 2020, so bi- last year, Meg Muckenhout, and I hope I'm not totally butchering that, published The Truth About Baked Beans, An Edible History of New England. And this is where I got a lot of my New England food facts.
1: Ooh, uh-huh.
2: But also, um, they she was very instructive for me of being like, we don't know about this Native American baked beans myth. And everyone's telling it. And I was like, I'm so glad I found this. Thank yeah. you.
1: Because <laughs> I don't oh, want to let always. you down. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, uh, baked beans had been uh, losing sales for a few years as um, trends in fresh foods ha- have been increasing but then saw a pretty serious uptick during the COVID-19 shutdown being an inexpensive and shelf-stable comfort food. Yeah, that
2: makes sense to me. And I'm
1: I, i I'm interested to see if I
2: run into them this weekend. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> I bet you do. You know, I bet you do. Maybe I've just never noticed them before. Hmm. Because hmm. people bring a lot of <laughs> foods to those types of celebrations. You got to, you got to. You know, make your calculations as you to do. what you can fit on your plate, and yeah, maybe I just hadn't included the baked bean, and maybe I should give it another glance.
1: Oh yeah, one way. this was a for me surprising craving episode. I was like, mm. oh man, oh man, I want some beans and franks right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you find them, Lord. <laughs> yeah, I think this is in my future, and I'm excited. I think
2: so. I think so. Well. We hope you've enjoyed this. I really have. Uh, I was not expecting it to be this much of a fun one, but uh, it really was.
1: Yeah. Yes. However. Absolutely.
2: Like all good things, it must come to an end.
1: Uh, we do have some listener mail for you. We do.
2: But first, we have one more quick break for word from our sponsor.
4: at PurdueGlobal.edu.
5: Happy Pride from TomboyX. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection, queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Today's
1: episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people, and I have to say,
2: we received some product, some steak, Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends.
1: Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) Westholm offers these beautifully marbled stakes because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in
2: Australia. And roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives.
1: The result is wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor
2: follows. Learn more at westholme.com/savor. That's w-e-s-t-h-o-l-m-e.com/savor.
3: It'll sure feel like it. Elevate your entertainment using all your favorite apps like iHeart and play all your music, radio, and podcasts with the new Roku Pro series. Your senses aren't better. Your TV is.
2: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor.
1: Yes, thank you.
2: And we're back with Listener. Listener. <laughs> <laughs> Fireworks. <laughs> Fireworks. <laughs> I was going to try to do the Seinfeld <laughs> jingle,
1: but you would have oh. no idea. <laughs> no, I wouldn't have. Yankee beans, Yankee beans.
2: Anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> cool. Cool. Into it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Mark Mark wrote, while listening to your fictional foods followed episode, I spent the entire time waiting for you to address my favorite food of the franchise. Sunset Sarsaparilla. While you reference Nuka Cola's competitor Vim, I was disappointed that Sunset Sarsaparilla got no mention. Being featured in Fallout New Vegas, Sunset Sarsaparilla is far more common in the game than Nuka Cola. In the game, Sunset Sarsaparilla replenishes your health without any added radiation. Unlike Nuka-Cola, you uh-huh. can even visit the Sunset Sarsaparilla headquarters where you can meet Festus, an old-timey cowboy animatronic in the lobby <laughs> he provides you with the quest, The Legend of the Star. You see, before the bombs dropped, Sunset Sarsaparilla has started a marketing campaign in which certain bottle caps had a sheriff star printed on the inside. By collecting 50 of these special star caps and bringing them to Festus, the player receives a special reward. I get the impression Annie hasn't played New Vegas, so I won't spoil it for you here. It's my favorite entry of the franchise and well worth a playthrough to experience the complicated moral choices as well as its goofiness, which includes but is not limited to a gang of Elvis and Impersonators known as the Kings, discovery of a corpse in a fridge in the desert that definitely isn't Indiana Jones, and holy frag grenades. <laughs> 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 uh, that is, okay, one that's a tongue twister, Sunset spa- Sarsaparilla, see? Um, <laughs> and yes, I have played Fallout New Vegas, but I... Oh, it's a long, tragic story of many failed laptops for me. Oh, um, no. Oh, no. (laughs) I mean, it's not that tragic. Essentially, my (laughs) laptop couldn't keep up with the speed needed Uh, to play it. uh And then it took forever. Uh Lauren knows. I put off getting a new laptop for like five years after I should have. I'm holding it together with duct tape and injuring myself (laughs) trying to open it. Um, (laughs) So I do have it. And I have started playing it. But you are correct. I have not finished it. So I guess I never arrived. At ah. this mini, this quest, but I am—I've heard very good things about this game, and I think I would really like it. So, maybe
1: my new laptop can Ooh. keep up. Yes, yes. <laughs> only time will tell. Yes, uh, Amy wrote. After listening to your pimento cheese episode, I want to write in and tell you that my family's simple recipe for pimento cheese uses Miracle Whip, Cheddar Cheese, and pimentos. I prefer it on celery, not bread, where it pairs better and is less overpowering. I also wanted to share with the two of you uh, about a dessert hot sauce I found at a store that specializes in stuff made here in North Carolina called Toad Sweat. It's a nice mix of sweet and hot and comes in many flavors like key lime and chocolate orange. Ooh. Right? Oh goodness. Toad sweat is a great name sweat. too. Heck. Yeah. Um, oh my goodness, I'm forgetting their username and or stated name right now, but 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 some excellent listener on Twitter wrote in at some point about a like dessert hot sauce on Kickstarter, and I definitely funded it. So I'm getting some in the mail. Heck and yes. eventually. I'm very excited. Um, and all of this sounds delicious.
2: Yes. Uh, I know I mentioned on the podcast a couple of weeks ago that I had all the hot sauces do the hot ones challenge. I undertook it this weekend with half of them.
1: Oh, yeah. And it was half How'd- from, like,
2: the, the bottom okay. half in difficulty and ha- half from the top half in difficulty. How it's did it go? great.
1: <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> I will admit I was being very cautious. Like, Good. You know, I didn't coat the wing or anything like that. Very minimal. Just little little taste. And one of them, not the last dab, was very hot. But the rest. Oh. Lovely. So maybe I'll get the the courage to undertake the whole thing. <laughs> we'll see.
1: Uh, yeah it's delightful though.
2: Yes, and Um, please keep me updated on your dessert hot sauce, because I would like to try it.
1: I may or may not have ordered enough for both of us, so... Yes! (laughs) This is why you're the best! (laughs) It's one of many reasons. Uh,
2: (laughs) Yes, so exciting. Um, Thanks to both of those listeners for writing to us. If you
1: would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks as always to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard, with special thanks this week to Max Williams, whose name I absolutely know. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way.
0: In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
5: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit tomboyx.com to shop
3: All of those are givens, but only the new Roku Pro Series has all of those and the Roku Streaming Experience, an award-winning OS. Get fast, easy access to all your apps like iHeart, where you can stream all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all day. And regular, all-inclusive trips to Roku City. The new Roku Pro Series, a smart TV built by the streaming pros.
5: You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third
2: best city for beer like this one.